as promised, here is our bonus episode for season one with yours truly. And drum roll, please. Guest number 11, my mom! (laughs) (laughs) She is back to share her insights and questions and 17 pages of notes, many of which have been emailed, texted, or Snapchatted to Melissa and I throughout the course of the first season. Mama, I'm glad to have you back. Welcome. I'm glad to be here. So many, it's going to be difficult to sum up uh, and do a recap because you've had so many fantastic guests with such great advice. It's been so much fun to listen to. Love it. I feel like I I have gotten into a little bit of a like autopilot mode where I've forgotten how many we've had. And it wasn't actually until JP pointed out the other day that she was very honored to be guest number 19 uh, because we of course went to IAA West in 2019 and I didn't, that wasn't intentional. That just happened that way, which was, which was uh, (laughs) neat. But 19 episodes, yeah, that's right. It's actually, you're supposed to say West, and then you would say 19. 19! (laughs) (laughs) You can be an honorary member for the day. There you go, now that you have the the sisterhood (laughs) chant down. Sounds good, Um, I love it. I think we should probably start, um, you know, with, with, we would be remiss if we didn't start by discussing the uh, first guest turned sidekick of the show. Absolutely. Dear friend and former roommate and queen of all shenanigans, Melissa Lutz. Yes. And I should, I was just going to say, I should point out too that um, Melissa is, we're we're, um, taking a break from having her on the recap as she transitioned to the, the new role of manager and is doing all the things in Colorado. So yes. I thought this would be a good opportunity to give her a break and also bring you back to discuss all the notes that you have. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> she does such a great job. It's big shoes to fill. So I will try my best to think like Melissa and share shenanigans. I There's really now- only one though. So Only one shenanigan? No, only one Melissa. Oh, I was going to say, I'm very interested now to see how this is going to go, if, if that's where your mind is, to think, do your best to think like Melissa. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I think the world would definitely be a better place, but I think there would be a lot more, um, maybe people would be, I don't know, if they would be more or less irritated having shenanigans played on them all the time. They might be injured. We might have more injuries <laughs> in the world. <laughs> suffice to say she likes to have fun there's great joy she absolutely does great energy yeah and i think one of the one of the things that has stuck with me um from her episode and from the very first interview that i did um was that she pointed out that she um i can't remember exactly how she phrased it but her advice was something to the effect of ask for big things and and don't be afraid of you know what the answer is going to be and of course that's the, you know, the infamous saying, or um, infamous, is that what I'm looking for? The yeah. old saying, uh, you know, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. So if you for don't sure. put it out there and ask about it, then you're never going to get it. So. That's right, because we don't even know you want it. Yeah, I had written down that she said, when you have a dream, talk to everyone and anyone who will listen, because you never know who they can have connections with. Yes, which is pretty much exactly how she got where she is now because she just you know she made friends in denver and kind of randomly having these conversations of oh this is really what i want to do and then in conversation someone else is like that's what you want to do that's what i'm trying to do right Right. now i think that's the cool part about being able to voice what it is that you want to do even if it may seem scary to share that with somebody because most people if you're in the right circles most people want to help you to help you make a connection, to find what you need in order to be successful and, and find your dream. And so while throwing it out there might seem like, oh, that's crazy. You can't do that. If you're in the right circle of people, they're gonna support you and look for ways to make those connections so that you can do what you wanna do. Absolutely. Power. Absolutely. That's right. And then if you don't have, um what did I just post? Something about there being currency in connections, which is one of the things I heard at Women Leaders X. And I thought, what a cool, uh, what a cool tagline. What a cool notion 
that there yes. is currency in connections. One of the things I thought was really cool about Melissa's uh, episode was where she was talking about the collage wall of people and the live fundraising and how they were just the power of the story. And I think that was something that you heard over and over from several different people, the power of people's stories, whether it's their own story or somebody else's story. And I thought that was the pay it forward board. Mm -hmm. People can come in and get coffee. And, and that was super cool. Yeah. It's neat to be able to tie your own story to something else as well, which is a great segue. I'm going to jump actually to episode five with ooh, ooh. Dr. Before we do that, can I add one piece on there? <laughs> you can't. Okay. Well, there was two things that I thought really came out of Melissa's episode. One was bold and that she was very bold to move to Denver because she moved there without a job. Um, she didn't burn the bridges uh, with her previous employer, but I remember her thinking, I'm just going to leap and the net's going to appear. I'm going to make it work. I'm going to make it happen. And I, I've heard that same thing with many of your guests. And I've seen you do that same thing too. Like when you moved to Memphis and I was thinking, well, what are you going to do? How are you going to do that? You were like, I'm going to do it. I'll find a way. So her being bold and then her focus on servant leadership and storytelling your mission that people want to know what the story is and why. And that I thought were two really cool pieces of what she was talking about and doing. I want to say two things as a follow-up to that. Number one, uh, excellent choice of words because we might, you know, bold is often a word that we associate with coffee That's and the true. type of coffee that you're drinking. So That's boldly right. brewed. That's right. <laughs> and the other thing that I wanted to say is when I moved to Memphis, by the time I had moved to Memphis, your guard was probably down because earlier that year, I was about to just move to Chicago with no job, just move in with Melissa and figure it out up there. Now, when I moved to Memphis, I had the promise of an internship at least. Yes, yes that was good. <laughs> so, and you were probably tired of me, you know, couch surfing with oh, you no. and dad. Not <laughs> anyway. at all. Not at all. Oh, man. Um, so I was going to segue to to episode five with Dr. Ashley Shalokande, yes. who of course, is the founder of Fire and Ash Candles, which, by the way, are back up and, and rolling. I nice. had to text her the other day because my, you'll be able to see, um, yes. the candle that she sent me is totally gone. Oh, it is gone. It smells amazing. Still smells amazing. And honestly, it did not even have to be lit to smell it. You what could was just, the scent that you had? Uh, black currant. Ooh. Currant? S currant? I don't know how you say that word. I'm going to have to defer to Ash on that one. <laughs> uh, but she has so many scents. She just sent me some of them the other day, one of which is Snickerdoodle. And that's one of my favorite ones that I've, that I've smelled uh, previously. That a and friend had. you know the best thing about Snickerdoodle candle? No calories. Because you just <laughs> smell the delicious cookie smell and you don't have any calories from actually eating the cookie. That's you a great point, Mom. You don't get the joy of eating the cookie either, but I'm just right. saying. <laughs> that is a great point. Um, I, was, I was segueing to her because she also, of course, ties in other people's stories with what she's doing with the candles. Yes. And Ash's story is unique in general. So I think that was, as I'm looking back at um, the notes from hers, and one thing that really stood out to me from Ash's episode and just the things that she said was she was talking about the idea she, she had this idea of wanting to be better together and wanted to make that come through with the candles. And so vanilla by itself is kind of whatever, coffee yeah. by itself, kind of whatever, but the fusion of those two. And at some point she even, um, which I think she wrote on it in her dissertation um, for her doctorate degree was, I'm going to butcher how she said it. I think it, it was something like racial reckoning or reconciliation, or, actually. Yes. Racial Recon reconciliation. Ah, I should have known. I should have known you would have the note. <laughs> racial reconciliation, which I also mm -hmm. thought was, was really cool that she's taken just kind of all these different pieces of her life and then merged it into this one physical thing that she could, yes. you know, leave, leave or send or whatever all over the world. Yeah. She kind of talked about the fire. The fire in me was this racial reconciliation and her belief in helping other people through liquid legacy, the water system in Peru. And then, um, and what I thought was fascinating about that was her talking about that they had to educate people on how to use water because they didn't know how to use water. And if you've never mm -hmm. had it, you don't know what to do with it. That was just something that we take for granted every day that we're mad if we can't get a bottle of water. Right. These people just, um, 
didn't even know how to use water. So that was right. fascinating. Or how do you like specifically clean water and what that should be used for versus right. whatever water they had. You know, the other cool thing I thought she talked about was when she had gone on a mission trip that her focus was on helping them and changing their environment. And actually what happened is that she changed because of her experience in working with them, that she saw the world in a different way than she had before because of that experience. And the place actually changed her. I think that's applicable in lots of places. So if you think about U of I and, and playing volleyball there, I'm pretty sure that you would say that experience changed you also. Mm-hmm. Even though it's not a mission trip somewhere, but places have, have great meaning for us. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, now, should we transition to sport? What's your next note that you want to go off of? I'm well, going to kick it to you. Okay. Well, I had written down faith, that her faith was very strong in, in all of her decision-making because she would talk about how she was going to pray over this decision and look for an answer. And I thought that was very, um, she was being very intentional about intertwining her faith in all of her decisions. And so that was one message that really came clear. And her interest in really hoping that she could inspire other people to do whatever it is they want to do, like you to go on to work on your PhD or a student to get a job or try something out of their comfort zone, Mm -hmm. maybe an international student to come play tennis Mm -hmm. in America. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. Um, I'm like scrolling quickly through all 19 episodes because I have, you have 17 pages and I don't know how many pages I have, but I'm sure that it is not 17. (laughs) Part of that, part of that is going to be because I know, um, for the most part, I know the people that I've interviewed and have a, you know, pre-existing relationship with them and you, some of them don't know at all. Some of them, you know. Um, we can continue on the higher education train and we could go to Dr. Ed Horn or we could go to future doctor, Timothy Bryson. I think we actually should go to Tim Bryson because, uh, you, that was one of the first episodes I can think of where you were like, that was fascinating. I have so many follow-up questions. (laughs) I think we should jump back to, this is Tim's episode. And of course, you know, Melissa and you know, Barchi. So there wasn't maybe not as many surprises in there, but Tim was kind of the first guest that you wouldn't have known until his, his episode on the podcast. So for sure. What did, what notes did you have on Tim? I thought, um, one of the things, well, that you can't impeach vision was a key piece and just his willingness to tell the story. Some people might have been embarrassed that they were impeached from a college um, leadership position. And I never felt that with him. I feel like he he stood his ground. He believed in something. He thought this was in the best interest of the community. And he was willing to take the risk of losing that leadership position and and in order for him to stand by what it is that he believed in. And that was just a, and then he, not only did he do that, but he owns the story now. He doesn't hide it from people. He's owned the story and said, well, here's what I learned from that situation. And mm-hmm. in working with college students, I've often said to them that when you're in those student groups, taking those risks, you're in a fairly low risk environment. You're not dealing with a $50 million project that didn't go well. You're dealing with a 50 point project where someone didn't write well. And so learning those skills where you're holding people accountable and delegating and following up to make sure they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, get honed in that college environment if we allow those things to happen. And so I think that's exactly what he did. He took a risk. He thought it was the right risk. I doubt that he thought, ooh, they're going to impeach me and this is going to be a fun trip. (laughs) Right. He rode right. the wave and, and accepted the consequences of, of his standing up for what he believed in. Mm-hmm. So. And I think that, I mean, you're talking about um, places or situations can change people or have an effect on people. I think that's certainly something that happened for him and that sure. you can't impeach vision, which I think he tweeted five years ago at this point, has become 
like a, a foundation, a sounding board, if you will, for him to go back to and lean on. And it's what he's built. I mean, in what he's doing with Walk With TFB, which started off as a podcast. He's now got it as an LLC. I mean, he I saw he was up in Atlanta doing, you know, stuff with, with um, fraternity and sorority folks up there. And so it's this, yeah, it, it's a some of it sometimes situations or sometimes tougher instances that we go through it's it's interesting to see how those can turn around and be like okay here's all that i learned from that uh shit show and now <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna teach lessons to others <laughs> did you just cuss on the air <laughs> i did you know melissa and i've done that <laughs> melissa and i've done that a couple of times and we're always like should we have said that <laughs> I don't think that's a word we could say. Uh, you know, what? The, one of the other things I love that he said was his mom, because this was kind of a trust your parenting moment where his mom said, this is your experience and you can either mess it up or you can manifest it and you can make it into something great. And that mm -hmm. just reminded me of some of the speakers that we've had on campus at various times saying, uh, your parents are now being absolved of everything they did wrong or, or right in raising you and now it's time for you to step forward and take responsibility and create the life that you want. They got you to this point. Now you step up and accept the role. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Well, that was good. Yeah. Another thing I had uh, written down as his advice was not allowing the word impossible to deter you from walking in your uniqueness. Yeah. And I think that's another, ironically, not deter you from walking. Uh -huh. In your uniqueness? Did I think he did that, that on purpose. And I you don't know, know if he did. Really, impossible is just two words. I'm possible. That's right. That's right. I did. He just, I mean, since he, since he um, founded the LLC, he also went through a rebrand and I had seen or maybe heard in one of the, I don't know if it was in the intro that he had thought about, you know, do I want to keep this name? I don't really know about Walk With TFB, but I think it's, I mean, it's catchy. It's easy for people to say it and it's, you know, walk with me. Right. I think it's easy. absolutely it's cool. You yes. can't impeach vision. I love yes. it. Yes. And saying no sometimes means no, not yet. Yes. Yep. Which I think Melissa and I might have gone back as I'm looking at the episode description for that one. I think we did go back and touch on the idea of saying no to the things also, not even just in not yet, but to the things that don't add any value to your right. life. So a lot of times especially, uh, and, and his podcast, Walk With TFB, is um, actually the second season just kicked off and it's called More Than a Millennial, or that's the theme mm. that he's rolling with. And so I think as millennials, we are wanting to soak, we value experiences. So we want to soak up all the experiences that we can. And sometimes we forget to say, no, that's actually not serving my purpose. No, thanks. Because we get so caught up in, in wanting to experience things. So that's an interesting tie-in as well. Yes. Yes. I liked his uh, time is not an excuse. And then also he kind of flipped that and said, spend a little time with yourself and listen to yourself a little better. Usually we know what it is that we really need when we need it, whether it's a phone call home or it's a hug from somebody or it's some social time or whatever it might be that we need, some downtime, a nap, a massage, whatever it is you need. If we would just listen to ourselves a little more and, and take care of ourselves. We'll be I saw off. something. I saw something yesterday that said, um, "I I often will bite my tongue to keep the peace," mm -hmm. and then somebody said to that person, "But what about your peace? Because right. you're biting your tongue, and then you're wrestling with everything For internally." Sure. Yes. So sometimes you just got to speak your mind and and uh, you know speak up for yourself and all yes. that good stuff. Kind of goes back to speak the truth in love that really there are times when keeping the peace promotes the growth of no one. Because mm -hmm. we might allow behavior that we wouldn't allow anybody else to have. And we don't say anything because we think we can't or because we just don't want to deal with it right now. Right. That doesn't really promote the growth of people. And so we need to be able to speak, speak the truth in love. Interesting. That's, that's a good line, mom. You could have been, that would have been a note that I would have furiously scribbled down on Monday <laughs> during Women Leaders. <laughs> Excellent. Um, I don't have a good segue to go anywhere next. So what do you think? Should we go, should we go to Barchi? Jump well, backwards one? Let me, let me just add one piece to that because sometimes, because <laughs> here's why. Sometimes I think people think 
hey, that's the truth. Sorry if you don't like it. I'm going to tell you what I think. But if you're really trying to get someone to understand where you're coming from, then the delivery of that message is key. And so if you're, you're not doing it for revenge, you're not doing it to be condescending or rude or to cut the other person down, you're doing it truly for their growth because you, you love and care about them. And if you don't love and care about them, or if you've given advice and they've never taken it, you get to the point where you're like, well, good luck. You're on your own because right. I tried so, yeah. to help and you don't listen. So right. I'm done. So really it's a gift when somebody's willing to, I mean, they, they cherish you enough to tell you when something you're doing is dumb or to just challenge you on your thought process. So right. like, you know, when you call me sometimes and you're like, hey mom, what do you think about this? <laughs> or you could look at it this way. I go, yeah, Taylor, you're right. <laughs> I thought you were gonna take that somewhere else. I don't know where I thought it was going, but I thought, <laughs> I thought that was gonna go somewhere else. <laughs> that is another perspective to think about. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh man. Um, I don't know necessarily, like we were talking about what's the best way to do this recap and should we, should we go through every single one individually? Should we pull out the main themes? One thing I do want to touch on is the fact that Barchi is the only to date uh, professional athlete yes. that we have had in the loop and that I'm yes. sure we'll, we'll try to get um, more professional athletes in the future, but uh, was cool that it kind of lined up with her um, nomination or her honor of being inducted into the Atlanta Athletics Hall of Fame. Yes. I'm so excited for her. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Super cool. And she, of course, is back in Istanbul, Mm -hmm. I think. I think with the team that she was with before uh, quarantine and before she had to come home. Yeah. It was so fun to listen to her story, be reminded of her story. I knew many of the pieces of it, but when you think about what she could have given up after Puerto Rico. She didn't like Puerto Rico when she was playing there. That was a challenge for her. And she could have been like, nah, this isn't for me. And been done with the sport and not gone back to it at all. And she did step away to coach for a while. But I, th- mm-hmm. I think that was one of the powerful pieces of her story is just that perseverance is that you have to start over. You have to be willing to not be the top dog when you're going into professional sports, you, you got to grind and you got to climb and it's going to be a job and you're going to treat it like a job and you're going to have to work and work and work. And if you can do that, the reward will be great. And if you don't, you will likely be frustrated. So right. it's just been so fun. I mean, seven summers of working for her to go to the Olympics. Uh, you just don't think about how much time and effort in the gym, how many jumps, how many attacks, how many passes that go through all of that when you, when you know someone personally who's trying to get to the Olympics, it's a different story. Right. And not even just, I mean, the act of practicing of, of her being in the gym and getting the jumps and getting the touches and all of that stuff. But then you also think about the recovery because if she's spending three, four hours in the gym practicing and getting touches, then she's also in the weight room for an hour and a half, two hours. Then she's also in you know, Norma tech boots doing recovery that way and getting stretches in and being proactive with, with recovery and rest and all of the stuff that goes, you know, literally goes into the human body and, and, um, metaphorically goes into preparing the human body for that kind of athletic endeavor over this long of a period of time. I mean, I'm, I've like sleep wrong on my pillow and I can't move the next day. And Barchi is, you know, a year ahead of me and here she is in like, yeah, the best physical shape of her life. So it's, and, and then I, uh, you know, you point to athletes like Tom Brady and Drew Brees and some of these guys older who are still playing in the league and, and to listen to Tom Brady's story, it's along the same lines, right? He's 43 and he is paying attention to what he eats and what he, you know, uh, consumes after a practice and how much sleep is he getting and those kinds of things. And I think that's really, it's not, when you think about an athlete, and especially as we've seen so much focus on pro athletes this summer and whether or not they should just shut up and dribble and keep politics out of sports and these other things. And when we think about the the work that they're putting in you know people just assume that they show up to the gym and shoot a couple of basketballs or serve a couple of balls and you know they're just they're naturally gifted that just is what it is and no like they're working they're putting so many hours into this Mm -hmm. and yes it's yes it's sport and but it but it it still takes so much and it's not like you have to I mean for what I do I don't have to be in shape 
it, it does help <laughs> if I get enough sleep, but like, I don't have to be physically fit or able, right. like agile. You know what I mean? And right. I think that's something that we take for granted a lot with professional yes. athletes. Yes. It just reminded me of one of our alums um, used to, when I'd have her as a guest speaker and she would come in at that time, she was a national accounts manager with Dansko shoes and she was selling shoes on QVC. And so as quickly people were like, wow, she's on QVC. That's so cool. And she said, my overnight success took 20 years. Yep. And Which that, is typically, yeah. That's what I think about with Bargy is that people will see, we often see the end result of a long struggle or a long work ethic, perseverance to get to the glory piece that people think, but there was a law, a, a grind that came before all of that. Right. I think that is a common denominator for just about every single person that has been on. And I'm thinking, um, I'm thinking about people like um, Tim Sinclair, who's pretty well into his career and starting to get more and more opportunities now, just, you know, he's with the Bears, he's with the Pacers, he's doing Fighting Illini stuff and and um, Chicago Fire and all these different things. And he posted something the other day that was, um, you know, the, there's a trend that's going on that's like, here's how it started. And there's a picture associated with that. And then here's how it's going now, or here's where we're at now. And the picture that he had first posted must have been one of his first you know, PA jobs, it was like very clearly an older photo. And then he's posting now like the, the field, you know, soldier field. Right. And that I think is something that people take for granted all the time. And it, and that goes back to fixed mindset versus growth mindset of, sure. you know, well, he was just, he was born with a good voice. And of course people want him to talk like, no, right. he has had to learn. I mean, he and Connor both spoke about authenticity yes. and being true to yourself and, and your reactions and not kind of, um, you know, creating or trying to generate a false reaction based on what you think the people want to hear, just kind of trying to stay true to yourself. And I think, I mean, Connor still is very much in the early stages of his career. So it was cool to have kind of the two mm-hmm. perspectives on there mm-hmm. at different times. But, but I thought it was really, really interesting that both of them pointed to authenticity when it came to public address. Yes, for sure. It's been fun to watch Connor because having known him as a little kid, where he used to be out on the swing set, waving at all the neighbors as they walked by. Hi, hi, hello. (laughs) We used to call him the mayor. Hello. (laughs) And to watch, because a couple of times he referred to five-year-old Connor would think this or five-year-old Connor would say this but they so love their sports and to watch him and listen to him bring the game to life, which is what I think that those sports broadcasters do so very well. We rely on them to help us interpret what's happening. Just like Dave Lone, when you get to listen to him in a volleyball game and, you know, it's shit to all the block like a kitchen appliance. It's those things that people remember, those catchphrases, the chunk it, mm-hmm. um, that become people's vernacular and they, they start to repeat that and they might not even know where it came from, but sports have been a part of our lives, people's lives for uh, generations and generations. And we can still learn a lot from that, but they mm-hmm. get to tell the story of all those people, but there is a lot of work. I remember talking to Connor when he was at the Quad City River Bandits, talking about his preparation for those games and wow, he had flashcards with people's names and numbers on them and their stats and you know, it's, it's not just show up and call what's happening. You've got it because the game happens so fast that you have to know and do the preparation ahead of time so that it's a smooth and flawless delivery that you're not going, uh, uh, 25. Yeah. Who's 25? 25. Oh yeah, that is, uh, Jim Smith. You can't, cause it, you can't do that. You gotta be on it. Right. And there right. is a lot, a lot of, again, a lot, a lot of prep- preparation for what you're doing, but often telling the rest of the story, kind of the Paul Harvey line of the rest of the story about those athletes that are out there performing of what they've done or what their majors are, what their statistics are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Lots of sacrifice and work, but if if it's something you love to do, you're in the zone. Right. Right. The same, um, the preparation ahead of time, the same can be said of uh, facilitation. Yes. And we have several, folks who are in a facilitation space. Um, We had a lot specifically N4A 
um, folks, but I'm thinking about, you know, Will Baggett as a professional speaker, as an author. I'm thinking about uh, Jen Fry, who, you know, was in a coaching position and transitioned into now this this um, speaker space where she's talking about social justice education and killing the game. I mean, she's yes. Every day I'm seeing a new, a new graphic up of what school she's talking at. She's been all over the place. You have a lot of people um, who had written books. Surprisingly. And I didn't, um, a couple of people who I didn't know that they had written books um, that, that did. And that kind of came up in conversation. I think Tim specific, Tim Sinclair is one of those that I didn't, you know, I, I, we were talking about his parodies and his mm-hmm. tech startup and some of these other things. And then it was like, oh yeah, also I wrote a book. <laughs> No, little test. But Will, I thought it was cool when Will Baggett was talking about his English teacher and that he had promised her that he would finish his book and that was a way to honor her. Mm -hmm. And I love the phrase he used because he said, I've had people who have held me up, who have held me up in my career, who've held me up in supporting me in writing this book. And my other favorite thing he said was, "Uh, your reputation will precede you it will position you and it will protect you. Mm-hmm. That was just a very, very powerful thing to remember when, especially because we're talking about brand identity often with students or even young professionals or experienced professionals, what is your brand? And that I thought you know, they can give you a little grace if they know you ahead of time and something seems off kilter on a particular day. But if you have built a brand where you're known to be grumpy and condescending, that's going to show up before you do. Right. Absolutely. I, um, I have to tell you mother that I used, I referred to you, I should say, I didn't quote you you verbatim because I couldn't remember it, but (laughs) in a session uh, that we did, and I can't even remember exactly what it was that we were talking about if it was an identity or an emotional intelligence or what it was, or maybe it was personal branding. Um, But I had said that I can remember growing up that you would tell us all the time that your reputation takes years to build up and it can take an instant to ruin it. And so it was this constant reminder of be smart about what you're doing because your actions today will impact your reputation tomorrow. For sure. And that's true. I remember I had a colleague who used to tell taught with me and she would tell the students five minutes of stupidity can ruin your life yeah that you go out and you do something and you post it on social media or even if you don't post it on social media it can it can ruin your life so yeah I think that's been what you're doing especially emphasized as we've seen um, this kind of cancel culture come about which was leading me to wonder the other day and maybe I talked to you about this on the phone but do we have um less courageous leaders or or people who maybe are not willing to step up and i'm looking i guess i'm looking at the millennial generation and i'm wondering one of two things have we as the as the millennial generation have we seen what's happening to the generations above us when they misspeak or misstep and then they're you know, lives are effectively changed. And is that causing a fear of what if somebody, what if somebody finds out something about me or what if somebody finds something that I posted mm-hmm. 10 or 15 years sure. ago and that's not, you know, the person who I am. So it's, it made me wonder, is that driving um, or, or keeping millennials away from the leadership positions that we should be in from, I mean, if we're thinking about from, um, you know, from local to state to federal leadership roles, I think, especially in the time we're in now, we're seeing a lot of very old people in Congress and in the Senate and in politics in general, Mm -hmm. and not a lot of younger people that we might have seen in the past. Yes. Yeah. And, and my other thought was because the millennial generation uh, tends to be, is that the phone ringing in the background? It's a telemarketer. (laughs) I'm sure it is. So sorry. Please ignore the phone ringing. (laughs) I don't even know if you'll be able to hear it on the recording, but I can hear it through my headphones. Um, My other thought was because the millennial generation has kind of built a reputation of wanting to follow their dreams and, you know, don't work and you want to find your uh, passion and, um, you know, you'll never work a day, never work a day in your life if you're following your passion and and kind of chasing your dream in this space and and whatever. Is that... What's driving people away? You know, that's such a great catchphrase because I know you talked about this the other day because that is truly, it is true. 
that when you love what you do, it doesn't feel like work. That is absolutely true. But that also dismisses the fact that until you find your passion truly, because I don't know anybody at 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, knows what they want to do for the rest of their life. And so right. unfortunately, it also kinds of sell this bill of goods that that the first job, if you don't love it and it doesn't feel like work, then you're in the wrong field. It, no, we all had those scut jobs that right. weren't great pay and you didn't really like. And I mean, you know, I made you guys pick up apples for a penny a piece and put them right. in a wagon. And I cut thistles for a penny a piece back in the day. And we walked beans and those were not fun jobs. I wasn't looking for my passion. I was looking for a paycheck. And so sometimes it's like, do the, do the jobs and do them well. So people will notice your work ethic and the quality of work that you deliver. And then they'll, they'll want, they'll come to you and say, Hey, we've got another position. You're so personable when I come into the gas station or, you know, you would be great at this, or can I help you with your resume? Can I make you a connection? Mm -hmm. But sometimes we forget that we've just got to do, we got to do every job from the, the jobs that aren't fun, do them well. And that's what helps us get to those passion jobs that we really love. And it doesn't, right. It most often doesn't come right out of college. Uh, it takes a little bit to figure out where you're going. And I think sometimes we do a disservice to just set sail on that one phrase is that, oh, you'll never work a day in your life. Well, that's yeah. true when you get there, but right. you got to get there. Right. You got to put in the work. Right. Time. Now, I'll also say there are some of those jobs, you might get into a position where your values don't align with what's happening in the organization or the, you know, or the company or whatever. For sure. And in that space, then, you know, it's not, I think that's another thing with millennials is there's this idea that we're job hoppers and it's not, I think on the flip side of that, we are ambitious and we, we know, we have a general idea of what we want, but we for sure know what we don't want. And the best way to, you know, get, maybe some people or maybe there's older generations or different generations that were like, you know, um, loyalty is, is very, very important. So I'm going to stay here and essentially stay in a role that it, I don't like, I don't agree with what's happening around me, but I'm staying here because that's what mm. I should do. Right. Based on, you know, generational values and whatever. And I just, there's so much, I mean, we could spend all day talking about generations. <laughs> we could, we could, but look, I think one of the things with the millennials that we forget is that every generation has just has its own situations that have happened. And if you look at the millennials, they have had internet, they have had social media, everything has been fast for them, where in previous generations, everything took some time. And so why would we expect the generation that has had less than six seconds to boot up the internet to connect with somebody on the other side of the world, expect that their career would be slow. That's not how they've been, that's not in the world they've grown up with. Everything has been fast and at their fingertips. So why would we expect them to think their career would not be fast and at their fingertips? Right. They're willing to work hard and they're willing to persevere and resilience certainly is gonna be a part of that. And, and they're gonna do things differently than the previous generation, which is good there's a generation of each generation has its own characteristics and benefits mm -hmm. to it hopefully we'll yep. the one before it hopefully yes yeah. hopefully so um man i don't even know where to go next we got off on a we got off on a generational tangent there <laughs> <laughs> um i was talking i was talking about speakers um and how many so i i mentioned obviously Will Baggett and Jen Fry, and um, I would throw Mark Trumbo in that category. I'm I'm um, tempted to lean him more into the student athlete development space, but then I'm also looking at Harvey Harrington and you know uh, Dr. Jeff O'Brien and so Jonathan Jones. Jen. Let's start with Jen. Yeah. All right. Okay. I just I was you know mentioning how many different like speakers and facilitators yeah. that I have going on. Which is a great reminder because sometimes we think, well, everything's already been said. You know, somebody already talks about motivation. Somebody already talks about branding. Somebody already talks about, and truly that just means there's a proof of concept. But what makes your presentation on that same subject different is you and your life experiences and how you see the world. And it's important for us to remember that we were hired by companies 
to share our opinion, not to sit in silence. They shared you for your unique experience and there's value to that. And to share your difference of opinion and do it tactfully and respectfully, but that's an important piece. Share your voice mm -hmm. that we need you to do mm -hmm. that. Jen Absolutely. had so many, um, well, all of them did. It was fascinating, you know, I love your podcast. So it was fascinating to listen to some of the things she did, but she again was one of those people who's very bold because she quit her job and didn't have one. Just like, mm, I've, I've done with coaching, so bye-bye. <laughs> right. And I don't know what I'm gonna do. I just think I'll just travel around for a while. I'll just do right. that. Yep. And then that led her to being around. I thought the other thing that was really interesting that she said was pro the proximity principle, basically, was that she said her offices were in the president's building. So she was surrounded with the president, the provost, the thought leaders, basically, at that institution. And that's the proximity principle of if you want to be in sales, make sure you get around people who are in sales. If you want to be a farmer, get around people who are farmers so that mm -hmm. you can learn and absorb and see what they're doing. And that just kind of hit home on that. If you want to be a coach, surround yourself with coaches. I know what they're right. doing, what they're talking about. It's just right. like if you're traveling to another country, uh, learn the, the language and mm -hmm. you want to learn the language of the area that you want to go into as well. Mm-hmm. I was just, um, I'm looking for, because I had a note, somebody had said something. Ah, you know who it was? Brene Brown. Uh, on on Women Leaders, um, she said, you have to stop separating you and the people who can do that. So per what you're saying, instead of, you know, Fry looking at it as like, oh, you know, there's people out there who are speaking on this and, and that's so great. And I don't, you know, I don't know how they do it. I could never do that, which I think is a tendency, a lot of, or that's a thought process. A lot sure. of us tend to slip into, but as, as soon as you stop doing that, then you start seeing yourself in that space and start kind of building from there. So that was a, that was another cool tie-in as yes. you were talking. Yes. Yeah. Just Very cool. your unique experience and you have something to add. What, the words that you might be using, you you may be made for just the time um, to tell somebody, to speak yep. those words that are very meaningful, that change something in their life, make a difference. Yep. And we, uh, the advice that I had um, written down that Fry shared was be scared, but do it anyway, yes. which is fully in line with what she did in her job. Like, yeah, I don't want to coach anymore. I'm going to do something else. Right. <laughs> I think I'll just go travel the world. Right. That right. And like not just... Yeah, not to say that there wasn't, you know, uncertainty there, but but to do it anyway. It was fascinating to me that her PhD is in geography and how she was going to tie that in with sport. Mm -hmm. that, that is something that I wouldn't have, you know, it's like, hey, would you like some cake and I'll put jelly on it? <laughs> what? That doesn't go together. So it was it was interesting to see how she was tying those things together and mm -hmm. how they made sense that your geography and had an impact on the sports you played and how you played them. And if you played club or whatever you might've done, what, right. was, well, what did you play in your neighborhood? Right. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool stuff. Well, um, Fry was episode, what I think nine, nine. and then eight, mm -hmm. eight episodes later, we had uh, Dr. Jeff O'Brien, um, who is the vice president for the Institute of Sport and Social Justice, which is along those same lines of, of kind of the education realm that Fry is in. And I would say that um, Fry focuses more on the social justice pieces and the anti-racism pieces. And Jeff um, has a tendency to build in some uh, leadership and some identity and, and some different things there as well. And it's, you know, the Sport and, Institute for Sport and Social Justice that tends to be how they uh, kind of facilitate their stuff but he was another one that I knew I've known him for a few years and I knew the gist of his story but I did not know any of the details and one of the things that stands out to me so much was um what he said about going through the you know wash and rinse of the private school circuit and you know coming out kind of the other side and and having pretty much you know nobody knows any different in terms of where he grew up or how he grew up or any of that so I thought that that really stood out to me and provided a lot of uh, perspective and insight on, you know, how, why he does what he does and, and why he's so passionate about the work that he does. So I thought that was really cool. And I didn't take that as a critical thing of private schools. No, no. And I think he meant it more as, you know, I'm a white guy who grew up in a very diverse area. So my world was very different before I went to 
a private school. And then as a white male coming out on the other side of that private school, nobody, you know, when people are looking at him, it's like, oh, here's like, this guy's probably successfully graduated from a private school. Right. And for him, it was like, well, why, why would you think that? Why would that be just, you know, instantly what you're, yeah. Why is that an automatic? Mm -hmm. Yep. Here's another one. Did I email you after every single episode and say, oh, I want to, <laughs> that was so cool. I want to talk was, to those people some more. Right. It was an email or a phone call with Jeff specifically. This was the Snapchat of the shampoo bottles oh, yes. that we got. Yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> because of you and Melissa talking about how you thought you could listen yeah. to him just read the back of a shampoo bottle. Right. Yes. He just, had, he is such a calming voice and a calming demeanor. And yes. he's one of those I don't know. You just, you get into a conversation and you're just drawn to what he's saying because right. of his delivery. He's one of those people, this is um, kind of a term that I read a long time ago, but I think it holds true is that he seems, and I've never met him, so, but he seems to be one of those nutritious people, mm-hmm. nutritious friends that um, you could have an, easily have a conversation with him, come away in a, it would be thought provoking. It would make you think about things differently, um, leave you wondering and wanting to have more conversation and filling your bucket of, wow, you know, I hadn't really thought about that or that experience and how mm-hmm. I could, how I might be impacting other people. Right. So just really cool. I love that he said, um, the secret sauce is who you are and what drives you. Mm-hmm. I mean, isn't that what every employer is trying to figure out right. in the interview process? We really just want to know what's going to make you keep coming to this job when you don't want to come to this job on Monday morning at eight o'clock. Right, right. Like, eh, I'm not feeling it today. What's going to keep you going? What's the, right. what's the why? And that why yep. has to be something big. Absolutely. Which, again, I would say is, uh, is another common denominator for yes. everybody that's been on. I love that he also said, the world can beat us up, so lend yourself some grace and always choose to invest in your own development. Yep. Serve other, and this was especially important for the Enneagram too, serve others, but not at the expense of yourself. (laughs) I think he might have said that specifically for the Enneagram too. He might have. That is that is uh, that is spot on for the Enneagram too. That is spot on for the Enneagram too. Yes. Um, I think we should jump to. I think it makes sense to go student athlete development sure. from here, uh, and then I think we should go to Dr. Sue's booze for sure, and uh, and Lauren after that. Um, the first, obviously we do, I did an N4A panel, uh, earlier in the summer. Um, and, and that was really, really cool to have both to be able to visit with colleagues and see them. Uh, and you know what I did not do, which I did not realize until after I had published that episode is that I totally missed, um, that one of the guests, Lacey Carmen Johnson also has her doctorate. Oh, nice. So I had to go back and change the, the descriptions there and make sure I acknowledge that because... It is, as we know, a lot of work yes. to complete that. <laughs> right. Just a little bit. Yeah. I had, I had messaged her after the fact to apologize. And she was like, ah, you know, that's not, it's not a big deal. And I was like, listen, you are a better woman than me because once I get that doctorate. <laughs> You're calling me doctor. <laughs> right. Dr. Doctor. I need, I need everybody to call me doctor on you. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. But that was, that was super cool with of course, Lamar and Risa and then Christina Navarro and then with Lacey as well. So it was cool to, you know, hear about what all of them a had been up to hear a little bit more background from each of them. And then they had, uh, they had cool, you know, pieces of advice as well. And it was a, it was a good way to uh, provide at least a little bit of, of education and, and connection for the N4A community in a time when we otherwise would have been uh, together for right. the for the conference, which right. was supposed to be in Las Vegas this year. Oh, man. You know, and that's the um, thing. I think we've had to adapt so much. And we, I, I truly just miss seeing people in person and being able mm-hmm. to have a side-by-side chat. And you just right. miss that extra connection. But it does has allowed us to connect with other people virtually and people that we haven't talked to for a while. So yeah, this is the time of perseverance. Talk about the grind and get through. Just keep grinding. 
Yes. And at, at what point do we get to stop the grind and exactly <laughs> relax? That's, that's where my concern is, right? Now. Yes. And, and that is a challenge because if you knew it was only going to be for two more weeks or three more weeks and then I got a vacation yeah, or yeah. something, you'd be like, okay, I can set right. it up for that long. But yeah. Well, that's the conversation that's I was having with somebody the other day because I said, you know, when we left the office on March 13th, it was okay, we're going to take did. a couple of weeks off. We'll be back on April 5th. And here we are in yeah. October, seven months later, and we're still operating on this, like, feels like, you know, half halfway basis. So that made me think of, of raising kids because there are times when you just don't know it's going to be the last time. It's the last time they need you to help them ride their bike. It's the last time they need you to help them walk. It's, it just happens one day and they don't need you to do all the things that they needed you to do before. And really, to me, that's what student development is all about, is walking with them until they don't need our help anymore. And mm -hmm. Allowing them to launch their own careers and lives and uh, be here to support you until you, you can do it on your own. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. So others that I had in that same uh, arm, if you will, in that same yes. realm. Yes. Uh, Mark Trumbo, of course, yes. is the mastermind behind the purpose design, which yes. you, I sent that to you. I think you actually went through it. You did. I, and I have been through some of it. Oh, that's right. You were only, I forgot. Yes, I'm part of it. But again, what a great concept of helping people understand and I, too, am a visual learner, so that mm -hmm. makes tons of sense to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then I would also throw, I would throw, I mean, Jonathan Jones, I would say, is more in the speaker realm, but he's also focused on um, student-athlete development, specifically in his speaking engagements and trying to, you know, create interactive sessions. And, and obviously, what, the thing that stands out to me most about that was um, him sharing his phone book sales gig. And I've, that's probably, I know, I've, <laughs> I feel like I've mentioned that over and over again, but it is like a lost, you know, when he's talking about, oh yeah, I put him in the back of my car and the whole car just sunk. And then I'm like, all right, this is probably okay. <laughs> I wish I could remember what movie it was, but years ago, this is the catchphrase. So I'm dating myself. Years ago, Steve Martin was in a movie. I think it was The Jerk. I think the movie's The Jerk. And so when the phone books come in, he's running around the house like, the phone book is in, the phone book is in, the phone book is in. So when he was talking about the phone book deliveries, that's all I could think of was Steve Martin going, the phone book is in. That's hilarious. <laughs> oh, yeah. That is hilarious. That was pretty funny. And then um, the last, you know, the last kind of person I would throw into that category um, is my IAA West sister, JP, who I got to virtually see um, yeah. at at women leaders earlier this week, which so was fantastic. Cool. Yes. Uh, and she, she actually messaged me when her episode came out. I was like, not the fart licks. <laughs> because of course, Melissa uh -huh. and I had gotten into to conversation about that. But one, I mean, for JP, she, and I told, I said the same thing to Melissa. She's just one of the most positive people that you can yeah. be around. And yeah. she's just, you know, she's one of those people that you're drawn to because of her energy, but yes. something, something cool um, that she said, and then actually in a, I had interviewed her earlier in the summer for a class project. And she said the same thing was that everyone has something to teach you, but you have to be willing to learn. Right. Right. Yep. Yeah. Which is, I think we can relate back to our conversation about jobs and finding, you know, the right job and, and searching and kind of being where you are and doing a good job where right. you are until you figure out what the next move is. Because exactly. if you're, if you're in a position that doesn't, you know, it's not necessarily what you want to do there's still things, skills and, and things that you can learn at that job for sure, you know, without it being, you know, the, the passion project or the passion career or whatever right. it is. So, right. And I loved her workplace happiness objective. Oh that yeah. Was cool. And I told you the other day, this reminded me of a group that we had on campus that we started that was called PPL, which stood for positive people lunch. And so we would get together with a group of people and we'd take a quote or a story or something that was meaningful to take it to lunch. We'd go to the local pizza place and just have a group in a meeting room and everybody got to share what their positive piece was. And we always came out of there feeling better. You know, mm -hmm. even if it was just a quote or a story or just hanging out again, 
the people that you surround yourself with make such a difference in your attitude, your beliefs, your confidence, all of those things. And yep. being able to, to be around some positive people was great fun. It lasted right. for many, many years. So <laughs> probably I would, I would guess it would maybe went on for eight to 10 years, but it wow. was a blast. We had lots of fun doing it. And it that was simple. It was like, Hey, you want to come to lunch? Bring a quote. Right. <laughs> oh, I think I can do that. Right. Yeah. That's super cool. Which I think is another thing uh, that we were, I can't remember who I was talking to the other day, but we were talking about, you know, making these connections and, and with people, it's not a, you know, Oh, if, if I hang out with them 10 times, then we'll be best friends. Right. I, like no. those, those moments come from the organic conversations that we For had. Sure. And so I think that was uh, another piece that, you can't just pop into somebody's office. Hey, we're going to lunch. You want to come with us? Exactly. Yeah. So. And you know what? It kind of goes back to my Dale Carnegie training of become genuinely interested in other people. If mm-hmm. you're there being fakety fake for your own benefit, it's, it's going to be very transparent and people are going to repel you. But if you are truly there because you're genuinely interested in learning from other people and you think you can add value to the group, they will right. welcome you and, and help you grow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Love it. I loved JP's weekday. I can't remember what she said about Monday other than it was the first day of the week and Taco Tuesday and Wednesday was hump day and thinking of you Thursday. And I love those themes. It reminds mm-hmm. me of my friend Pam Markley. And I remember all summer she would have every day of the week, like one day she would take her four boys. It was called free day. And they would go down to the local furniture store because, and the, remember those boys were stair stacks. So they were four, three, two and a, a baby. And they would go to the local furniture store and ride their furniture elevator for free, of course. Because, and how did she get to do that? Well, she just asked the furniture store owner if they could ride the elevator. So the kids thought it was super cool. And then they would go see the, the water fountains in that area. And that was their free Friday or free Monday, whatever day it was. She was always so organized. Mm-hmm. Probably had to be with four kids, right? Uh, right, right. Yeah. Especially that close to each other, too. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Pam is another one of those high energy Absolutely. people, for sure. For sure. That's 4'11, funny. but uh, six feet tall, full of energy. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Um, I was about to say 100%, which is which is a nice actually believe it or not segue because the first I'm looking at Susie's episode and the first note that I have on there that I shared with Melissa was that I had heard Dax Shepard say oh a thousand percent twice in one episode that he did with John Legend and then uh since then I have heard it multiple times whether they're saying oh a thousand percent or oh a hundred percent right so that was uh that was funny that that came up as the first note with Suze. Yeah, that is good. Unrelated to her episode, other than you had called to tell me, did you know you say this a lot? <laughs> yeah, and then I told you after our episode that I caught myself saying absolutely like six times in a row. Like, oh, sorry about that. Yes. I don't think anybody, it's sorry like no one that. notices those things until you point them out yourself, I kind of feel like. Oh, well, it could but be. Could be. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe yeah. everyone's just noticing the the strange speech habits that we've got. You know, when I was thinking about Susie's story, it kind of reminded me of Barchi's story because of the perseverance and length of time that if, if Barchi's ultimate goal is to be in the Olympics, she knows this isn't a short-term thing and you got to commit to it. You can't just like, oh, I think I'll do it now. Oh, maybe not. Right. Oh, maybe yes. Right. Like you are in and completely in and same thing with Susie in med school, that yeah. commitment that she made that you have to make if you're going to do that. And the right. extra years of schooling and, and knowing that that's what you want to do. Right. I'm thinking back. I mean, when we were in college, so let's put us at, you know, nine or 10 years ago and Susie, the rest of us were like, all right, we're going to go, we're going to go out and, you know, have dinner or do whatever, see these friends or whatever it was we were doing. And so many times I can think of Susie being like, oh, I can't actually, I, I need to study because I have this exam tomorrow. Or, you know, when it came to the MCAT and it was so much, I feel like social sacrifice. Yes. And obviously now, nine, 10 years later, that is paying off. And even, I mean, obviously when she got accepted to med school, you know, in Iowa and all those things, it was paying off then, but especially now when she's just really, really coming in, into her own as, as a physician, as a doctor. And right. so it's, yeah, it's cool to see. I love that she said, because I think this is applicable. And when she was talking about it, she was talking about the financial cost 
for one as one component mm -hmm. of that. But she said, make sure you know that the cost is great and the work is hard, but do it because it's your passion, because you have to sustain the passion for the field. I think that's so true for any field that you're really going into is that there is going to be a cost to what you're doing. If you're an entrepreneur, there's absolutely a cost to what you're doing. You know, many times we think entrepreneurs can schedule their own work hours. Well, as mm -hmm. you know, from watching your dad, that that's not just how it goes, that they have a different yeah. mindset, that they are always thinking about work and that they are putting in lots of hours, especially now when we're harvesting. But right. there is a cost to that and the cost can be great, but the work and the reward can also be if you're yeah. doing what you like. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Indubitably. <laughs> um, the, uh, the next person that I was looking at, which I think this might be, other than your episode, this might be the last one, uh, was Lauren Parch. Yes. Um, another recent one that we had, Melissa's cousin, of course. And it was so fun uh, to talk to Lauren about, you know, just the arts and different, I, I, um, I think the arts and the entertainment industry we've kind of thought of during this time, obviously, as live events haven't been yeah. able to to be together. But um, to hear her talk about even uh, auditions, you know, and, and right. those different kinds of things, super interesting, too. So It just helped and, me realize how much I didn't know about that world, because while we attended lots of musicals and plays throughout our life, the back see the backside of that of what's the difference between a producer and a director and what what's a feature film versus a short film mm -hmm. <laughs> just the terminology yep. that's not a world i'm typically operating in and so it was fun to listen to her talk about her experience and again she was one of those people that uh has made the sacrifices you know, changed directions took a leap of faith at the last minute that right. i think i want to go into this instead of something else and right for sure. Change horses. Sure. Yep. And she, I believe, maybe not very long ago, uh, within the past week or so, had a write-up um, of her. And I'm totally not going to remember the name of, of uh, the person who did that write-up. But uh, My Little Renaissance Girl, which is the project she's working on right now, is is they're making moves there and, you know, having updates on what they're doing and starting to fundraise a little bit for that project. And so yes. it's cool to see. Yes, for sure. Excellent. Cool to see. Well, mother, I know you said you brought 17 pages of notes. Yeah. And remember, we need to talk about, because that kind of makes me think about this t-shirt and Carrie Jo Kelso. Ah, yes. Carrie Jo yeah. Kelso. And she is one of the only ones. Uh, I mean, she is the only one as far as retail goes, you know, and, and kind of entrepreneurship. Um, her, one of the things I remember most from that episode was uh, talking about the difficulty of backing up a truck trailer. <laughs> Absolutely. Do you remember the day that Austin was with me and we were taking some chemicals to the field and I'm pretty sure he said something like, um, mom, we're going to die because he had very little faith in my ability to back up a trailer with chemicals on. He was like three. He probably doesn't even remember it, but it was uh, hilarious. Absolutely. You know how those little kids just say things that you're right. like, oh my gosh, that was so perfect timing and absolutely right. hysterical. Was that so is funny. Yeah. That is funny. Uh, the other thing that I have, I had that as a note to, to talk with Melissa about, about the difficulty of backing up a trailer. Um, and then in my notes from talking to her was the difficulty of saying rural. Like rural whether route. Or not, uh, like yeah a rural area <laughs> and whether that was um whether trying to say that was more difficult than backing up the truck trailer <laughs> <laughs> do you remember when she came to town I, I don't know if you guys talked about that she came to town and um dad said something about smelling the pancakes we're just gonna yeah. go find the pancakes and that was hilarious i thought about the other day i went and picked up lunch for the guys in the field and they said do you want to pay for this now or you just want to take it <laughs> I remember them like, what? You left the restaurant right. and you didn't pay for it? You can't do that. Yeah. Yeah, that was EJ. Like, well, we walked in the back door and Taylor said, I'm here to to pick up, you know, a, a meal for my dad. Uh, but uh 
And then we just got the food and we just walked right we back left. out. We didn't pay for it. Small oh town USA. Mm-hmm. Right? That is correct. That's so that funny. That is correct. Well, Mama, uh, like I said, I know you brought 17 pages of notes. Um, <laughs> so I know, I know wait, that wait, there's... Wait, wait, wait. And, and what did you tell me during your episode? If you give a teacher a microphone, they'll, they'll, they won't know when to, to stop. To be so. quiet? You got it. <laughs> right. Do but, you um, do you know me? <laughs> um, like, Could we just watch the television show? Do you have to talk about it every well, scene? Sometimes, sometimes it's nice to dissect those scenes, you know. But um, but I want to personally extend my gratitude, my thanks, all of those things for for you coming on and and sharing uh, some of those seventeen pages of notes, and and of course uh, sharing the questions and insights that you had from each of the episodes we had going on. That was delightful. They're yeah. such great people. You just love to have them all in one room together and imagine the energy and uh, problem solving that would occur in that situation. Yeah, great. One of these one of these days, maybe we'll do a, a Bloom Pod reunion. That would be pretty cool. That would be fun. <laughs> that would be lots of fun. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I don't have uh, I don't have Melissa here to say that's the way the onion peels. Do you want to try that, or do you have oh. a new catchphrase you'd like for us to use? I got a new catchphrase. Oh no! Keep on blooming. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. We might have to stick with that for Wait. season two. And peeps, you want me to keep, keep on? on? No, that was good. That was that was a good couple to to roll with. <laughs> And I'm sure Melissa will appreciate them as well. Blooming, blooming, blooming on the river. Now, now we've got a real Mama Onion episode because you sang. <laughs> Sorry for the tone, but there you go. I no, that was it. perfect. That was perfect. <laughs> All right. Well, again, mom, thank you so much for your support of the podcast for joining me uh, for, for this best of season one. And of course. Uh, we will, we're going to take a, a brief hiatus um, from the podcast and, and trying to strategize for season two. And we Excellent. will be back at a date to be disclosed in the future Yay. for season two. I can't wait. All right. We'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>